many ways, round 12 was one to forget for the Hawks. A first half rampage from Port Adelaide put the contest to bed early, but Hawthorne at least showed some heart and put a little respectability on the scoreboard by the final siren. We're back to recap all the action from the past weekend, so let's get down to business. My name is Nick Mason, and joining me as always, my co-host Tiz, talk about being brought back down to earth by a contender in red-hot form, eh? Is that what you took out of it, that Port Adelaide are contenders? Oh, <laughs> they must be doing something right. Yeah. I mean, to put that amount of goals on the scoreboard by halftime. Yeah, it was pretty demoralising, really. Uh, okay, here's the thing, because Hawthorne weren't inept. This is a combination of Hawthorne being pretty average, pretty poor, but Port Adelaide were pretty awesome. And we didn't adjust to not having Sicily in the side. And, no. And there was a perceived pressure off the back line that was just incredible. Like, they didn't handle the crowd, they didn't handle anything in that first quarter, certainly. Didn't so, handle the footy very much either. Uh, no, but in the end, we had more possessions than Port Adelaide because they just stuck the queue in the rack. About halfway through the third quarter. But okay, so do you take anything from the second half? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, there's still a, a bit of will and determination about that performance in the second half, but that, that first half, you can't just gloss over that and go, well, look, we turned up in the second half, everyone's entitled to a half, you know, <laughs> being down. But no, there was absolutely no uh, ability to stop the scoring run. Findlayson was excellent. I know he's in really good form, but um, I, I honestly, I really admire that guy for what he's able mm. to put forward this year. Yeah. And uh, he was the only guy I really felt comfortable about getting goals <laughs> against Hawthorne. <laughs> yeah, okay. And the rest of them, I was just like, well, you know, Todd Marshall getting five. I was like, ugh. Did he get five in the end? Yeah. Bloody hell. Anyway, we've had two up weeks. Now we have a couple of down weeks. Well, I know exactly who to pin it on. We had a question from Mel. Should I have stayed in Berlin? We won two straight while I was there. I come back and we lose. Well, thanks very much, Mel. Yeah, well, that ipso facto. Yeah, you know, that's... off you pop. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty bad, but one of the shining lights. If you're looking for positives, look no further than Luke Bruce notched up goal number five hundred, a gem on the run, but put through another four goals to cap things off. Uh, a quality day out overall for Luke Bruce when he didn't have any right to. He actually finished with five goals, three, including two posters, so it could have been a very oh, big day. Oh, posters, indeed. my goodness. I was getting excited about... I know. Yeah, I thought of you because you have been really hanging out my for this. My butt left the couch a couple of times, <laughs> and then it just hit the post. And Yeah, Bruce, what an incredible player and the the loyalty of the man and and yep. to be captain on the day was was special. Yeah, it all kind of worked out, didn't it? Like we didn't see it in Melbourne, but it felt like it was a special day for him. And he enjoyed himself. He yeah. really did. But yeah, the the team was non-competitive, but all hail Luke Bruce. That was mm. that that caps a wonderful career. He's still got another year yeah. to run on his contract. And so he should. And you know, he's scoring beautifully. We had a question from Richard. Top three Hawthorne small forwards of all time. If Bruce is number one, who's rounding out your top three? We're not short of candidates here, mind you. Well, you got Rioli. He's a shoe-in. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let, let's just say Luke Bruce, 184 centimetres. So if we're talking small forwards, let that be the guide. Oh, so is that just an arbitrary... So you're discounting Dermot Burden because he's, you know... Richard, two centimetres taller. Richard has put Isn't forward the ridiculous? question. Isn't that ridiculous? Isn't that ridiculous? 
Dermy in the way he played. Yeah. Only two centimetres taller than Bruce. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. But if Luke Bruce is going to be number one in a list of small forwards, right. what criteria are we using? I suggest use the criteria of the man that's already part of the list. 184 <laughs> centimetres. Let's Gotta go. Gotta be shorter than him. Yeah, 184 centimetres or less. Right. Okay. okay. Rioli qualifies. Bacchanara. Yeah. Graham Arthur. Peter Crimmins. John Platten. Poopolo, Williams. Don't you remember Elberston? Oh, who could forget? Out of the forties, those were you the know, days. Got a great goal scoring record. There were. I, I looked up the, the possible candidates here. There were a fair few names. I'm like, that's decades before my time. I'm not sure <laughs> if I've seen any vision of those guys. Yeah, I was. I was reading about um, people wondering why Moncrief isn't talked about. In, yes, in in more illustrious terms. Mm. But uh, it's just the. The crowd you're with, isn't it, I guess? Uh, I couldn't answer that one, actually. If you're between Hudson and Dunstall, you know. (laughs) Well, yeah, there's a fair point. Now, we're staying with the forwards, because my boy Mitch, he had a good game. 20 touches at 75% disposal efficiency. Uh, Team high, 8 marks, 13 score involvements, including 3 goals to himself and 3 goal assists. Not too bad. Yeah, no, I've got to say that uh, Mitch Lewis is becoming very, very reliable. And it's fantastic to see. This is one of those games where he probably won't get his flowers from many fans, mostly due to the scoreboard and how the game actually unfolded. But statistically, that is a very, very high-quality game from Mitch. And for a guy who's essentially a full forward... Yeah, 20 touches for a guy that's playing key forward, that's good. That's very industrious. So hats off to Mitch Lewis. The other guy that I really liked was Jarman Impey. Yeah, you liked his um, defensive qualities, did you? Well, I could target other defenders if you'd prefer. <laughs> okay, go but ahead. Jarman Impey with 33 touches, 78.8% yeah. disposal efficiency, five excellent, rebound 50s. Excellent when he has the ball, I agree. <laughs> 534 metres out. Come on, you, <laughs> you've lined him up. <laughs> and you always have a go at me when I line a player up. So yeah, now the tables yeah. have turned. No, no, I, I can't. Oh, look at you. I look can't you try really. Out of it. I just don't think you can hail any of the defenders on the weekend. Oh, but, I don't um, know about that. Certainly, like you know, he was one of the blokes pushing the um, the barrow back up the hill after it. You know, put it this way: you can't compare Jarman Impey's game to say Sam Frost. Well, no. So don't lump them all together in the one group. Okay, there were clearly shining lights in a defensive unit under siege. To be honest, last week I called for DGB to be in this team. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. There was nothing I saw to keep him out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. And if he isn't in this lineup, yeah, or isn't called upon this week, yeah, what are we doing? Not what are we doing. More, you know, that's a real problem for him, mate. He, it's already a problem. What are we rounds? We're heading into round thirteen. Yeah, and he can't crack a side that's either sixteenth or before that bottom of the ladder. It's been a problem the whole season for DGB. He should have cracked more senior games than he has this year. That's a fact. And if he's behind Scrimshaw... Mm. Yeah, he's deep in the queue. Yeah. Because, I mean, I know they're not like for like, but think of the other players that are getting senior game time over him. We've got Seamus Mitchell, who's come from the clouds. Weddle is making a fantastic impression. Well, Weddle is is better than Scrimshaw. Yeah. He displayed that. Apart from early nerves, where he dropped a few sitters. Yeah. And he yeah. took a couple of incredible marks, much better positioning. As soon as he decided he wasn't going to defend anymore, <laughs> do you know what I mean? There was a mindset about it. He was actually going to attack the footy and, yeah. and 
what what was happening in the first half really wasn't working. Oh, they were on their heels. They were they were on their heels. Pressure from fumbly outbodied. He was unlucky at times too, I thought. But in many ways, it was a nightmare first half for him. But to finish with twenty five touches at seventy six percent disposal efficiency and not one but two hangers, as you say, it is. That exemplifies a never-say-die attitude that I absolutely love of a guy who's played six games. Okay, so for me, yes, there are a lot of guys that stood up, especially in the final quarter, McDonald, Moore, Weddle, Warple, Jarman, Impey, even in the even in the third quarter, these, these guys were starting to get their hands on the pill. But there was one bloke in that first quarter where everything was all at sea, no one was getting their touches. Mm-hmm. He looked to change the game, and that was Warple. Yeah. Warple with 12 touches in that first quarter. I know he runs at 80% disposal efficiency for the day, but that, that's very good for James. And he is definitely hitting his straps right into the bye, isn't he? This is the best yeah. we've seen him for a long time. Well, these are the kind of stats that reflect the kind of game that I've been waiting to see from Warple for years now. I mean, it's the marriage of the accumulation and the efficiency that's just awesome. 35 touches at 80%, as you said. A team high, eight inside 50s. Equal team high, 23 pressure acts. Nine score involvements. If not for Bruce taking the limelight, mm. there's a great argument to suggest that Warple was our best player. Yeah. Did you say six clearances as well? Because that that, that led the team. You know, only, uh, what is it, Horn Francis had six clearances mm. on the other side. And I thought Carl Amon turned up against his old time, old side. As yeah. they all, always do, these old fellas. Yeah, I, I found it interesting. I, I tweeted out that... I was Probably su- could have played Wingard. Amon and Ifinger, <laughs> two best. I, I was surprised that Port Adelaide fans weren't booing Amon. And I put that out on Twitter. And then I had quite a few Port Adelaide fans tell me, no, nah, obviously wouldn't boo him. No, nah, no way. And I'm like, am I just being gaslit here? Did we not spend weeks talking about booing players? Well, well perhaps having been on the receiving end... With Jason oh, they've, Hall they've Francis. Yeah, they've calmed down a bit. Yeah. I don't that, think that, so. That's not going to last. <laughs> of course it isn't. Oh, I thought it was mighty decent that they didn't boo him, but uh, you know, let's not act like it doesn't happen. So there were there were points of light in what was... What's the word? Crap. We, we've got a bit cat... <laughs> no, I mean, if you were... If you weren't really looking, you would have looked at Hawthorne and gone, my goodness, this is a real problem. No James Sicily, no defence. Yeah, yeah. Well, it underscores his credentials as a leader. Remember how we had people questioning that back at the start of the year? Oh, do you, do you, I don't go for those arguments. If someone isn't there, then you judge them by... Because it's built. I mean, the system's built around James. Yeah, okay. So it's not going to function that well without him anyway. Yeah, but yeah. yeah it's like when Dunstall was injured, mm. Hawthorne didn't look too damn good. Yes, yeah. <laughs> funny that. Because the system was built around him. Yeah. And and it is now built around James Sisley. So, anyway, what am I trying to say here? There were guys like Kaczynski, who nearly took mark of the week, mark yeah. of the year. Well, it's T- TBD, But he smashed, a, he smashed the pack. That's yeah. exactly what you want from him. Mm-hmm. Now, he was fighting uphill all day, um, can't fold his efforts, 80 per- 87% time on ground for a key forward is good. Mm-hmm. Very happy with that. Obviously, he's letting Mitch have a much better go at it. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. What about the debutant Bailey McDonald? Ten touches at ninety percent disposal efficiency and six marks. Fairly modest game. A fine debut, I thought. Yeah, he he doesn't um, worry about much. 
I just saw him yep. heading straight at the ball. Mm-hmm. Seemed fairly, fearless. Fairly uninhibited. Uh, I'm happy to see more from him. Got a couple of touches. No, he got one touch in the first quarter, didn't he? And then... Uh, yep. Yeah. But he picked up his socks after wouldn't, that. Wouldn't be great. Uh, <laughs> for, for your wouldn't first be great game in the defensive quarter. line. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I was pleased that he was named. Um, another bloke that finds out what's required. I hope they give him another week. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Um, be a great thrill for him to run out on the G. Yeah, absolutely. And that was Day's first game, Adelaide Oval. That was interesting to me. Oh, yeah. I thought he would have played there before. But, uh, yeah, 95% disposal efficiency on the day. But, jeez. You know. From Will Day? Yeah. Oh, didn't realise that. It's bloody high. Mm. But he didn't seem to have that much impact for me. He had a rib issue, I think. He was taped up at halftime right. from memory. So okay. that might have been it. I think it has been closely checked by an opponent. What about Jack Scrimshaw? Because fans have been crying out for his return. Yeah. They got their wish. 19 touches. Team high, 13 intercept possessions, six pressure acts. Yeah. Six is pretty damn low. Does he leave the side or does he stay? What would you do? I'm inclined to keep him in, but then you've got to, you've obviously got to fit in Sicily somehow. Who else would it be? Is it Frost? Oh. Yeah, exactly. Is it Blank? Probably not. No, well, you like to keep that. Exactly. You want Blank to free up Sicily. Yeah. Yeah, that's if you want to win, of course. Um, oh. Well, I've learnt that. We cry... <laughs> You know, as soon as that happened, we looked a hell of a lot better. Exactly right. I don't know. I was disappointed in our rucks again. I don't really rate the rucks at Port Adelaide. Um, Meek was out of the out of the game pretty quickly. Oh, that was a tactical sub. We were just looking way too slow. Couldn't stop the transition. Just had no resistance there. And when that's happening, not only that frequently, but that easily, uh, there's no point playing another ruck. And they they cut. Um, Connor Nash's game. He mm. didn't get anywhere near the space that he usually finds. Yep. They really, um, they really, uh, you know, gave someone a task on on Connor Nash because um, they knew that his his work rate can lead to Hawthorne yep. actually creating space and, and getting up the field quickly. Mm-hmm. So, um, what do you think happened at halftime? I'd probably say that Hawthorne got an almighty serve. I do mean, you reckon? Well, what would you say to him? Well, I'm not sure that it's conducive with a young side to, you know, to just lay it all on the line in front of them. Yeah, so what's the alternative? What? Okay, put it this way. Let's reverse engineer it. What inspires well, what, you what say we is, saw? Is, you know, let's not bother with thinking about the first half. Let's just play this as a new game. Mm-hmm. And we're going to change this, this, and this. Yeah. And we're going to keep attacking. Well, Sam has copped to not having changed that much. He believes it was in the laps of the players. Yeah. So, I mean, that's interesting. Well, I mean, you know, you're that many points down. There's not a lot Sammy can do. Mm. He's got to leave it to them to work through and actually demand of themselves a higher standard. Yeah. We win that second half quite convincingly. What did we kick? Um, eight of the last ten goals? Yeah. Which, again, you do wonder how much to take out of that because obviously Port would have taken their foot off the pedal. That's quite obvious. What did you think of our our inability to stifle Aaliyah Aaliyah? Uh, I thought he was by far getting the best of Mitch Lewis initially, mm. but they, they turned that around, which I was thankful for. Yeah. It's interesting because he mm. did play well, Mitch. Yeah. But... No, they're a good team, and they're a good team to watch too, Port yeah, Adelaide. They are, and uh, I would imagine that is the 
attacking prowess is something that Mitch wants to get. But to score that many points, you know, 96 points. That's our second highest of the year. That is very good Mm -hmm. over there. Yeah. And I dare say the coach would not have been happy with how quickly we piled them on. Yeah, it'd be a shame if it cost Port Adelaide a top four spot somehow by percentage. It could have had a lot more. It's an interesting um, psychological thing. Losing, and it's quite a big loss, but you're scoring as well. If you lose mm. and you don't even score, it's far worse. Yeah. Oh, I've seen worse losses than this. I think someone... I, I why is it always Port Adelaide in the first quarter over there, by the way? <laughs> oh, no, it's terrible, it's isn't like, it? It's like rinse and repeat. It's ridiculous. Uh, someone did tweet us. I don't have their name handy, but they asked, is this the best that I've felt after a 55-point loss? <laughs> and uh, uh, I, I don't know. I don't feel that bad about it. I, I tweeted during the game that I've seen worse losses this year, yeah, and, that, and that was up like to half time. We North being... Melbourne losing on Sunday to Essendon. That was a bad <laughs> loss. We were being absolutely. Gosh, I was riding that. <laughs> I know. You, we were being absolutely pummeled by Port Adelaide hmm. up to half time, and yet I was watching the TV going like, "But I don't think we're playing that badly. I've seen us play way worse than now." This. Their execution was excellent when they got the ball back. Yeah, uh, I want to mention Sam Butler. Not a remarkable game, but he did record a tackle inside our forward fifty which is more than what I could say for the rest of the team. So our spread is nowhere near as good as Port. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're very, very uh, what's it, regimented about making sure they create space. Yeah. And if we can learn to do that, we're going to look a hell of a lot better. Well, I dare say we need to do that. That is the very thing we need to unlock for our game plan to be that much more potent. Uh, Butler and McKenzie, 12 touches apiece, both running at 83.3% disposal efficiency, did their bit. Sam Frost, he's probably on the chopping block. Well, you're going to hang him out to dry. Well, he had eight touches all in the second half. Yeah. He didn't touch the footy in the first half. Yeah. That's... Well, I mean, it wasn't anywhere near him, was it? (laughs) (laughs) To quote a famous film, inconceivable. Yeah. Absolutely inconceivable. Not only that, when he did get the footy, he ran at 37.5% disposal efficiency. He, he led our tackle count, I'll say that, to half time yeah. with five, but also he didn't add to that tally at all. So not a great day for Frost. I could see him being on the chopping block this week. What about Blank? Well, I've discussed Blank and why we need him and Sicily. But you think Frost is up for negotiation? I'm not going to say Blank had a terrific game. Key defenders are never going to look good in, in that kind of loss anyway. <laughs> no. So I think it's a bit harsh on, on Frosty, but you know, even when he has the ball, he doesn't use it well, and that is where you're coming at him. Well, Frost is an important leader for this club now. He's one of the veterans. And when you looked at our defensive lineup on paper... It was him. Well, that's... He and is... Impey. <sighs> and maybe Scrimshaw. Oh, that's they're the nuts. leaders back there. Aren't yeah, they? okay, Hardwick. fine. Yeah, fine. But you've How'd got Hardwick go. You got Bramble. You got <laughs> Weddle there. You got Bailey McDonalds. How many games has Blank played? Probably not even fifteen. Yeah, it's it's a very young and inexperienced backline, and the guy who's meant to be the leader is not even registering a touch in the first half. That's not great. Yeah, but he's not called on to get a touch either. Like if Hawthorne have the ball, no one's giving it to Frost. If he's going to have the ball, he's got to get it himself. So his sum total influence in the first half is five tackles. Yeah, I mean, he has 
just to be devil's advocate here. Yeah, I, I know. His pressure I'm, points yes. are the highest in the team. Oh, hang on. I'm, I'm wrong again here. Yep. Dylan Moore, 52. <laughs> well outside the bounds of everyone else who's on 34 and 35. Yep. So, Dylan Moore, I didn't realise he was in that much of the action, but mm. wow. We had a number of questions on this game. This first one from Tony Wilson, friend of the show. Tony Wilson, uh, is our team a teetering tower of Jenga and who thought it was safe to take out James Sicily? Well, I think as as a result of this game, mm-hmm. it is time to play Sicily forward. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I enjoyed that way too much, yep. listeners. Yep. The reaction on the other side of the table was just <laughs> complete... Of course, just abandon all hope with that. <laughs> we have to recognise that you know no one deliberately withdrew Sicily from the team. It was suspended, and you know arguments for and against that. But uh, God, it's going to be so but, good to have. But him Tony's back. right; it was pretty Jenga-like. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, Sicily is a foundational piece of that tower. <laughs> if you take that out, the whole lot tips over. That's why I felt you know you had to bring Scrimshaw and DGB in there and. And play them their roles. Yeah. Oh, just. Yeah, maybe you're onto something there. Uh, Quantum Hawk, how concerning is it for the back line to be so dependent on one player? Is Blank our key position defender? He looked all at sea. And has DJB's cards been stamped? Kudos to Young Weddle, spanked in the first quarter, not alone and not all his doing. And to persist for a very good game after that is pretty good, according to Quantum Hawk. I agree. The persistence factor... Excellent, huge tick for the boy. And look, Blank, he hasn't been in good form all year. Mm. Structurally good, but yeah, I'd say if you could improve on a key KPD, yeah, yeah, it would be Blank. Absolutely, I think you're right in terms of the system and the advantages that that brings. Him simply being out there and freeing up the more potent and influential players. But he needs to win one on ones more often. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It'll come. He's still very young. This question from Matt Wood. Having watched the game plan develop over the year, the main thing I see is we don't spread from the front of the contest. At least one or sometimes two players run at it and connect the forward handball to cut through traffic. Should we get Hustwaite in now to exploit his hands? Do it. I'd love to see that. Yep. Wouldn't you? Oh, for sure. I, well, mate, I'm always up for a debutant. Yeah, we, I don't, love we don't get it to the outside quick enough. Yeah, Matt, that's true. Matt's right. And if we did... If Hustwaite could use his, I don't know, what's the word, Jedi-like mind trick. to <laughs> He does. He has an incredible ability to be able to uh, get the right handball out into space in front of the running, well, hopefully Carl Amon, because <laughs> he has a wonderful boot. Well, we better press on to Box Hill, who suffered a, just a second loss for the year, and this was one that hurt. Williamstown, 76, defeated Box Hill Hawks, 61. Nine goals, seven to 11 goals, 10. And they were right in the contest until the last 15 minutes. Uh, Harry Morrison was good all day. Cooper Stevens is starting to put together a, mm-hmm. a nice little runner form, which yep. means that we might get to see him in the AFL lineup. Yep, I said weeks ago that he was building very slowly, and that's come to pass. He's he's definitely finding something. But uh, his but it's his uh, it's his defensive game mm-hmm. that he's worked on. And yep. it looks a lot better now. At no stage did the margin exceed 15 points either way this contest, and we were desperately holding on. 
in the last chapter there. A slim lead for much of the final term, but ultimately it was death by Corey, tis. Back-to-back calls to Corey Ellison and the sealer coming from Corey Preston shortly after. I tuned into the stream immediately after the port game, hoping to find a little something to cling on to and to see us get done that way. Yeah. That was a little bit annoying. But as you say, Harry Morrison with 31 touches, 13 marks. Cooper Stevens, 25 touches, eight tackles, six clearances. Josh Ward, first Returned. game back from injury. Yeah. Yeah. 21 touches, six tackles, three clearances. And the guy that we've mentioned a lot this podcast, Denver Granger Barass. So 23 touches, 11 marks, but had no influence when the game was on the line, is what you've put yeah, down the here. The stat sheet did not really tick over a great deal when it was red hot and up for grabs in that final quarter, which is disappointing to see. I've heard reports but from... But still, he's putting his hand up. He realises he's been overlooked when Sicily isn't in the lineup, and yeah. that was his opportunity. 23 touches is much more than he usually gets. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's much more industrious. Interesting to see Josh Morris, quiet day, but he was deployed as a forward again, which we haven't seen for a long time. Six touches, just the six, for one goal one. Interesting. Why would they put him forward? Yeah, well, it's a good question. Um, I wonder if he'd welcome it, because <laughs> at this point with Weddle and Mitchell and, you know, that cue that he was in for a senior position... Well, he's has, still got GS. Well, that's it. Or was he just sort of making sure that he was warming the spot for Chad, who apparently, off the injury report you were telling me about, mm-hmm. he'll be available for selection at Box Hill. <laughs> Box Hill, that's what it said. Ooh. I almost did a double take. I will believe it when I see it, and no sooner than that. We had a question from Reese here. Uh, Hello, guys. Love the pod. My question is, what has happened to Fergus Green? Why isn't he still on the side? I feel like he blends better with Mitch Lewis and can even help out the little guys. Well, uh, the question of why is an interesting one. I'll tell you why he isn't getting back into the side this week. Barely sighted for Box Hill. Three disposals. He got a goal out of it, but that's it. He's a bit demoralized. It does seem like his confidence has taken a hit. He was traveling pretty, pretty well for Hawthorne. Sitting the scoreboard fairly regularly. Where's our new recruit, by the way? Uh, Brandon Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. Clay Tucker was out there. Yeah. Well, yeah what's know. Ryan doing? <laughs> I Just know. sitting this one out. Oh, we could have done with that. He, he averages <laughs> Mate, you know, 2.6 goals a game. Know, for all you know, he might have had 2. a personal 6, tragedy and he couldn't play. 2.6 goals a game. Oh, is that 15 points? I think it is. Oh, <laughs> I can't believe you're pinning it on him. You don't even know why he wasn't out there. I'm going to call him missing. That's that's going to be his nickname. No, no, no. But I was I was disappointed that he wasn't out there. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair enough. Box Hill's biggest test yet next week. Finding a spot for Chad. All right, their second biggest test. <laughs> no, nah, I'm talking opponent, of course. Uh, Box Hill are going to be hosting Ladder Leaders Brisbane at City Oval, Saturday, 12.05pm. We're currently in third place on the ladder with 28 premiership points and a healthy percentage. However, Werribee, Casey, Williamstown, who we just lost to, are all on 28 points as well. So our position is looking a little precarious because you've got to keep in mind, we have Brisbane this week, Mm. then we've got the bye, but then we have to come back and face the Suns, who are currently, I think, second on the ladder. Mm-hmm. So this little gauntlet... Don't worry it, about the sun. Slip, slop, slap. That's enough. <laughs> this gauntlet, even with this one loss to Williamstown, yeah. starts looking tricky. They only have to make finals. 
Yeah, I know. But I just want us to be top four, that's all. Do you reckon this side is capable of winning the VFL Premiership? Yep. Really? Yes. Legit? Yeah. Because the, uh, there's a very big gap between Casey and, I think, um, Brisbane, and then us, in terms of the betting markets. Oh, is there? Okay. I agree they're... Um, okay, so you agree? Great. I, I agree they're a chance for the top four, but I, I, I just remember how we went against Casey and... And now losing to Willie, you know. Yeah, okay. Well, we haven't really been properly tested. I think we'll know more after the next two games, frankly. Brisbane and Gold Coast, that's that's going to be the, the barometer of things. All right, so who's coming out of this lineup to join forces against Brisbane at the MCG <laughs> on Saturday? <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. Obviously, Sicily is the guaranteed in. Uh, Wingard's available, but if we if the injury reports to be believed, he might be playing for Box Hill. Jecker is available again. Yeah, he'll need some touch. He'll play for Box Hill as well. Who do you play on Jack Gunston? <laughs> Scrimshaw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, that I can see that happening. Yeah. All right. You said it with a bit of a chuckle, so I'm going to need you to fire off an alternative in three, two, DGB. one. Oh. You buzzed in very quickly. Are you sure? <laughs> DGB versus Gunston. Yeah. Or oh. Frost. What do you reckon? Frosty? Oh, God. <laughs> Look, don't, don't do this. Don't get all emotional. Frost is a good matchup for Gunners. I don't know. I, I think Gunners will kick about five, to be honest. Really? Yeah. Wow, God. Yep. I don't want to see that. Are <laughs> you meant to be happy for him? I'm I'm happy for him to be at the club. I just don't need him kicking five on against us. us. Yeah, yeah. No, fair enough. So you're not going to cheer him when he when he comes out into the G? Oh no, I'm still a very appreciative. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, but uh, I'll boo him when he <laughs> see has a shot at goal. I, I won't be booing, <laughs> but I won't be cheering. <laughs> so you might as well not be there. No. Just. <laughs> Just meet in the room. I've got other witticisms to apply my uh, brilliance to. Right. So. Yeah, that old chewy, chewy on your boot is just a winner. <laughs> now, <laughs> that's all they permit at the MCC, don't they? Need a bit of decorum in the forum. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, the Big Easy has a question. He said, clearly some selection pressure coming from Long, Stevens, Ward and Morrison, the VFL. If our current midfield stays healthy... Do these blokes get a chance at all this season? Yeah, I mean they do. Cause... I think you got to give no, uh, a nod to Long. He has to. Yeah, he has to get a look. Uh, Ward, what does he have to do to get back in the lineup? Who's coming out for Wardy? It's a good question, isn't it? Um, who have we got on the wings Bramble. at the moment? Yeah, Bramble. Hmm. So We're just skimming over Morrison here, are we? Well, Morrison is out of the lineup. Not, not part of the next Premiership side. Is that what we're going for? You tell me. I'm not you sure. Have, you haven't you haven't used that line against um, Frosty yet either. Well, he's not. So yeah. Think about Frosty's. We haven't really found the guy to be his understudy yet. So that's that's the difficulty there. That's something that Hawthorne need to concentrate on. Yeah. Because Frosty ain't going to be there when we're pushing real hard when it's our time. Uh, but at the moment, we don't have the future locked in. Newcomb had it pretty tough on the weekend, didn't he? He did. Beautiful well, goal, though. And midfield did. Yeah. That was the, the big clash that we were looking forward to that was going to be really entertaining. Oh, Port had our measure in that, yeah. obviously. Very early. Yeah. yeah. All these guys probably have to be rested at some point. Do you know what point. really frustrated me about that? There mm-hmm. was so much second guessing. Yeah. Yeah. 
It was all between the ears. I know people say that about AFL a lot. Yeah, but but did you just on that? I think that's an astute observation. Did you notice they look to go backwards a fair bit? Yeah, just to yeah. try and calm it down, control it a bit. Yeah, get their yeah. hands on the footy, let everyone's heart rate drop. Yeah, and caught Newcomb and Warple doing it. Uh, quick look behind. Mm-hmm. Not really sure what to do with footy. I don't know. Just something I noticed this week. Well, it just kept coming back so quickly. Yeah. Which is what they're great at, Paul. But we'll be doing that to the side soon, so don't worry too much about it. We'll be seeing some of these guys, Long, Long Stevens, Ward, Morrison, uh, because our go-to midfields, these guys are going to need a rest. They're going to need to be managed eventually. And uh, the door will be open for these guys to come in. So, it's a big question, this. You going to City Oval or are you going to the MCG? Because we're playing at City Oval at uh, twelve o'clock on Saturday. Yeah, and then the G we start at one forty-five. Well, yeah, I'll be going to the G because it doesn't feel like we've had too many chances to do that. Oh, yeah, of course, yes, yeah. Ideally, we'd have you know boxing. Why are they running at the same time? Well, that's it. They did that last week as well. I'd love for them to, to have the curtain raiser. And then I'd say both. I'd beat the MCG for both, and that's win-win. Uh, hopefully it is legitimately win-win. Are we a chance against Brisbane? Yeah, they never win at the G. You know what? I think we are a chance no, against No, Brisbane. you said this is about Port as well, and uh, it's over within the first 10 I said minutes. about St Kilda. It was this, you know that algorithm that, I forget what his name is, but he runs it on Twitter. Yeah. It was the earliest called game <laughs> bar one which was melbourne versus north in 2021 <laughs> okay i think i remember that game yeah i think i watched so, it twice yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> mate i'm delighted that you attribute such cosmic significance to me and my predictions <laughs> well if i say well, we don't get gonna... friday night games anymore so <laughs> it really if i say hawthorne's gonna win well of course we must be losing <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's the, what well, you lack saying. confidence against and killer when we won. So let's lack confidence this week, Nick. If we can do that for the side, that'll be good. All right, fine. <laughs> Curate my social media presence accordingly, shall I? <laughs> <laughs> it's all doom and gloom. Uh, hey, speaking of doom and gloom. Oh, no. You just saw what was on the rundown. Yeah. Oh, this is what everybody's been waiting for. The latest on the Hawthorne racism saga. Now, see, you've bought into the the language they're using now. Yeah. It's an inquiry. Okay, I'm sorry. I need to update my terms, or, or, do I? Yeah. And You know what I'm talking about. And instead of saying inquiry, you say inquiry. Because it sounds even... <laughs> it's, it's An inquiry sounds like you're really sort of demanding answers and things. An inquiry is like mm-hmm. same word, but the way you say it. So there were always through the... Media and all the parlance related to this whole thing, four weren't yes. there. Yep. And now there's three. Mm-hmm. And one guy obviously didn't want to be named. Yes. So allegedly, 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 of all, course. Yep. And everyone's presuming that that's Shane Savage. Yes. Is that, that where we're going? That's what we've heard, yes. Cannot confirm or deny, but there is a resounding noise around that. Uh, are you saying there's a significance to him dropping away from the... It just changes the parameters, doesn't it? Because, you know, you, you, you were right in pointing out that language is important. It's just not as neatly packaged if one player isn't Indigenous anymore okay. and that it's not on racial grounds. Right. Which would be why you'd be going to the HRC. Yeah. Right. It seems... Look, I don't want to um, give anybody 
false hope, but it seems to me that these things, they will have to prove that it didn't happen to anyone else. That is an enormous task. Yeah. And it only takes one one person to say, oh, that something similar happened to me. Yeah. But that's the case, you know. It mm. mightn't be morally upstanding to yeah. have even given that advice. Mm-hmm. But if it's not... Racially motivated. Yeah. Then... It's still incredibly murky <laughs> either way you look at it. Yeah. But, it, it, it's, um, <laughs> what I mean is it's not much these, of a win. But I've got to say that these... You know, we've said this before. Conversations about these very, very tough personal issues happen in workplaces all around the world. Mm-hmm. And um, there's often never a good way to handle these things. Now, Kenneth's had uh, Gil over for lunch today. Yes, a short, sharp 45-minute chat. What's going to happen with Hawthorne? Yeah, they eh? had a short, sharp 45-minute chat. With the enormity of this topic... I don't think 45 minutes is a long time. Do you? That That's nothing. Is it just him and Jeff? Or is it like an entourage and I, Jeff I'm at the other sure. end of the table? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, is Jeff negotiating? What is happening there? So the threat is that they punish us either with a fine or with draft picks or, you know, they're just looking for a way to... Make their displeasure felt. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Is that what they're looking to do? Yeah, they want Hawthorne to have a um, a good hard look in the mirror at themselves, but not too closely. Right. Not too closely. We don't do that. So Because flip- that involves an investigation that lasts eight months and ends up nowhere. Yeah, it is quite difficult to see what they, what they find remiss. Because mm-hmm. it only ever gets to the media, which is even by uh, Cyril... And Jermaine Miller-Lewis and Carl Peterson's um, statement, the point at which it all went awry. Yeah, the the verbiage around that is they feel like their confidence was betrayed. Now, by whom, I ask? That is the... Well, well I mean, most... if you're talking to Rusty Jackson... Yeah. And then you're like, oh, it got out in the media. I think that's a little bit ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> but how does, how does Jackson know who to go to to begin with? That's a problem. That's one of the biggest curiosities about this whole saga, I would say. Is Leon Egan related to Phil Egan? Yeah, I believe they're cousins. Right. So we can all speculate as to what might have happened here. And I emphasise speculate. Then Jason Burt's come out and said, no, they definitely asked for money. Yeah, in in the statement from the past players, uh, we never asked for money. It's come to light that they absolutely did. Right. So I don't understand that. But again, it, it doesn't matter how we talk about this. I always end up in the same place. It's just so sad. And it's so sad that it's Cyril heading this. Yeah. I can't wait for the day where we know exactly what's We're not going to happen. That's not going to happen. You don't think? No. This stuff gets out eventually. What, what are you saying gets out? Whether it happened or not or... Okay, best case scenario, right? All right. In my mind. Mm-hmm. To my mind, I think... It's a giant cultural misunderstanding that is just beyond belief. Okay. So Clarkson and Co. I it, think that's it, very hard to to hold on to, given some of the departing comments Cyril made in presses and things about his relationship with the club and Clarkson. Yeah, look, you might be right. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I think that we had a group 
uh, of officials that were absolutely driven and single-minded about success. And they took some very murky paths to get there. Paths that... Well, that's the allegation. Well, well, that's what I mean. Yeah. But I don't think... I'm going to say best case scenario, the sorts of initiatives and strategies they used were, were not deliberately insensitive, but by God, they absolutely were. And they perhaps didn't know that. They didn't understand that. They didn't have the uh, the insight as to why it was culturally insensitive. But um, yeah, these are the things that they're all coming to grips with now. And they will need to that with the with the commission. As the players have said, they want to be understood. And one way or another, they're going to have their voices heard. They haven't ruled out going to the federal court. If they go to the Human Rights Commission, it would be if they determine whether there's a case and then it goes to yep. the federal court. Mm-hmm. That's the... That's the system. But that, that's what I mean by the best case scenario. But that... Because the, there's no way... Do you realise how arduous this oh, investigation yeah. is going to be, not only on oh, them absolutely. first and primarily? Yeah. Because they will, they will go to them first for the story and then off to the uh, individuals who are now at other clubs. Uh, this is this is not ending anytime soon. Oh, absolutely not. And, you know, me spelling out in my mind the best case scenario there, I just don't see a future point in time where any of these guys, and I mean the officials, Mm. look completely squeaky clean. I just, I can't imagine that. We've come too far down this process. Where where even honest mistakes are just massive errors in judgment. Okay. That's, I think that's where we end up. That's Well, do you think it was an error in judgment for the the accusers to um, to say that, they hadn't sought any compensation. Oh, absolutely. I don't understand that. I don't understand that. I don't know why anyone went to the media because now, you know, we read in their statement that their confidence was betrayed. Well, if you play with fire, you're going to get burned. If you talk to a journalist, they're probably going to report yeah. on what they've heard. Help it, make, help it make sense, Tiz. I don't understand. And at the end of the day, I just... Every, I go back well, to the day I would, that, that... I would that, make sense of it through the emotive aspects of this thing, and that would be why you would talk to him, because you yeah. felt that getting the public interest mm. would be beneficial to your side. Maybe there's something in that. I, I just cast my mind back to how I felt the uh, the week that all of this blew up, and that was grand final week last year, and how uh, saddened I felt by what I was reading. And I desperately hope that None of it's true. I guess we'll find out whether it is, whether it isn't, how much is, how much isn't. Uh, it's just so sad on all sides. And even sadder now that Cyril is visibly the face of this. Yeah. It's just one of my favourites, that's all. Yeah. And, and to think that he had a horrible, horrible time in, in uh, an era that, for me, for you, for Hawthorne fans... Was... Well, it's, it's, it's in the last years. It's after the premierships. So Jermaine Miller-Lewis is from earlier. For Cyril, it's is it over a long period of time, or is it just that I'm specific sure. incident? You know, yeah, it's, I don't um, know. Look, we could keep talking about this into the wee hours. Yeah, no, I suggest we move on because we're, we're normally what, a light-hearted podcast. What, what solution would possibly end up? Is it even vaguely possible where we see you know, uh, let's say twenty? 33 mm. reunion mm-hmm. is that possible to get Cyril back in the same room it just depends on how all this goes that's it 
no one can say that at this stage. I wouldn't be surprised if he never came back, but it all hinges on what happens next. Yeah. That's it. Well, that's, you know, there's got to be some negotiator at the table to get that done. Yeah. And for the AFL to come at us for having asked the question and threaten us, yeah. investigating, uh, doing this uh, mental health check on, on these players, because we were seen for a long time and throughout the media as exemplary in the way that we handled these talents. Yeah. And to find out that we weren't, mm-hmm. um, you know, other clubs were copying us. Okay. Well, well, we had so, a question here from Cam. Uh, can we get some sort of an idea on what we've done wrong to potentially be getting sanctioned? It seems we did exactly what was required of us. Is it because it uncovered stuff that would most likely be uncovered with some layers peeled back at most other clubs? Oh, I think that's definitely the case. Mm-hmm. I do not think everyone else is golden. Yeah. Let's not be so naive as to call this exclusively a Hawthorne issue. And I think the timing was particularly poor mm. because we've buggered up Gill's leaving party. <laughs> oh, there's a big ego on that fella. Yeah. Massive. Like, to to just deploy yourself to negotiate with Kenneth today. Well, I was going to say, again, to be a fly on the wall yeah. for those for those two in that 45 minutes. Like, I mean, Kenneth's never given a, any quarter to Gill. Yeah, I, I just think it's a complete failure of the AFL to protect the interests of their um, their members. Again, they did it with Essendon. Mm. They um, they managed to extricate themselves out of the Collingwood situation with with um, Lumumba. Yep. Uh, and you know they never really solve anything. They just let it move on. Mm-hmm. And uh, did you reckon they'll take eight months to? They were hoping the they were no God no. <laughs> Really we'll know before we... the draft. <laughs> It'll be a lot more swift on Hawthorne. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be right. <laughs> and we're a successful club. You know, if we were unsuccessful, you know, the AFL would be doing everything they could to help us. But because we're not under the, the financial umbrella of the AFL, mm. no, nah, we get hung out to dry. See, North Melbourne's got their hand out again. I didn't realise they had another hand to put out. <laughs> so they had both hands out already. <laughs> All right, we need to get to our, to our social media stuff and then we'll wrap up with a couple of more lighthearted questions. In good news, that stadium's looking less and less likely. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, always I lovely. saw Robert Shaw. Uh, is it the Foo Fighters? Are they, I'm not up to all this stuff, but are they, they're coming out? They've the, the, planned the, a tour, those tour men, or something? Those men that, that take umbrage with Foo? What? They, no, they, no, they, no, they, no, no, no. They it's like battle Dave, Foo? Dave Growl or something. Dave, Dave anyway, um... <laughs> What? I'm wearing a real spot of bother when I can't tell if you're joking or not. Anyway, <laughs> um, Robert Shaw, mm. he said, oh, well, they probably would have come if we had a stadium. Let's build it. Now, this is, that is the poorest argument I've heard for a stadium. <laughs> and that means it's looking real teetery. I'm sorry. His political platform is Field of Dreams. <laughs> if you build it, they will come. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, that's definitely <laughs> the underwrite, the underwritten messaging. Even, even Jack Rewalt was doing that. And then even Brendan Gale was like, oh, they'll walk taller, the Tasmanians, uh-huh. for having uh, their own team. And all these kind of weird, feely arguments. <laughs> Speaking of all the feels, yeah. uh, as, we, as we put it, always, oh, 
Always I, lovely. I cringed when I read this review. Okay, well, I'm reading it anyway, out loud. <sighs> uh, always lovely to, lovely to discover where we've been left. Another rave review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, here's the latest one. Sweet Peaches 69. <laughs> I was going to give four stars as the first part I read. Yeah, because in my opinion, they do not mention Nash as much as they should. I mean, we absolutely do. I mention a lot more and it gets cut, to be honest, uh, Sweet Peaches. <laughs> <laughs> The review continues, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Keep up the good work. That's a five-star review. Thank Beautiful. you, Sweet Peaches 69. Very nice. <laughs> Meanwhile. But I tell you what, he's going to feature massively in our mid-season review because he is basically the guy that's brought the midfield along to task. Yeah, you're jumping ahead of me. Whether we win, oh. lose, or draw, it doesn't matter. Our social channel's always buzzing. So get on board. Join the conversation. It's a wonderful community of Hawthorne fans that we have around this show. And of course, as always, a massive thanks to our proud, passionate, and paid-up Patreon subscribers. You help make this show happen. A big shout-out to our latest subscriber, David. Thank you. We really appreciate all the support. Uh, here's some news for those that have signed up. We've almost hit the buy, which means, and Tiz flagged it before, we've got a mid-season review podcast coming your way an exclusive bonus episode for patreon subscribers so if you haven't subscribed yet and you do want access to that one hop on to patreon.com and support the show now we're into the red time items yep. and uh two final questions one from ethan non-footy but a branding question mm. do you think it's time for hawthorne to get a new logo i don't know i don't think our brand needs any help it doesn't need any revitalization at this point i think we just carry on well jeff brought in the last logo didn't he did he yeah, when he came to the club. Oh, there you go. Uh, Ethan continues. But, Think the current one is awesome, but it is associated with the Clarker era, in my view, and four flags. So as we enter a new era under Sam, do you think we need a new logo? Well, I mean, they can be a costly pursuit. Hop on a fiver, you reckon? Oh. Hop on a fiver? Well, how much is that how stuff- we got ours? <laughs> <laughs> how much does this stuff cost? Oh, That's it can the, be millions. It can be extremely pricey. Yeah. You've got to think be. of the overheads. Yeah. We need everything we can for Dingley. Oh, yeah. We've got to find some other uh, sources of revenue. Yeah. So, see, Fiverr's not looking too bad now, is it? No. But listen, I've been thinking of all these different, like, revenue streams. That worries me. Go on. And if you can stump up the 3500 US for those new, uh, you know... Apple goggles or whatever they are. They're like VR tech. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, that's what's that going to be, over five grand for an Aussie? I was thinking all the ways that Hawthorne could make the experience if you actually turned up to the game and you had them on. It'd be incredible. Do I get to see a win if I put those goggles on? Yeah, they they could totally bend the whole game. Brilliant. Sign me up. Yeah, and and at some point you're like, wait, I remember this out of the 2014 grand final. (laughs) (laughs) Are you saying I get to be out on the field where Ruffy crunches Hannibury? Yeah, wouldn't that be great? It'd be, it'd be terrific. Or you could just have like, um, you know, uh, a special guest in your ears yeah. and and, uh, and on the screen, like uh, I don't know, Rodney Ede just going, I you know, because he gets a little bit of emotional mm-hmm. rodders, and uh, it <clears throat> could be great to have him sort of and being able to see him in the top left. Yeah. Are you saying I could sit in the bay where all the Swans fans are as Langford's goal goes through? Oh. <laughs> what an experience. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So uh, do you think technology is just going to surpass sport soon? This is an interesting question to bring up at the end of an episode, isn't it? Well, I mean, this is <laughs> might, more of a... I put that one on the back burner. This is more of an after-dinner mint to, <laughs> to clear the palate. I see. Yeah. 
That's something to think about. All right, there you go. How are you going to incorporate that technology into AFL and its lamentable technology as it sits now? <laughs> this last one from Matt. What do we look for with our first round pick at year's end? We took two 200-centimetre guys in the mid-season draft. Is a key position player still a major need of this team? Uh, what do you think we what need? You we just... need everything. We need everything. There's not one line I'm happy with. Yeah, well, when you... Six... I know people are going, oh, the midfield looks great until we play Port Adelaide. Yeah, well, it's the start of the journey. It's just, we're still at the... What, year two under Sam Mitchell? True. So, of course, it's going to have, you know... It's, but they're young. Built... They're a young midfield at yeah. Port Adelaide. I mean, yeah, no, I understand. only a couple of years. Yeah. It's not like we're playing a seasoned midfield that's won a couple of premierships and everything. No, these are young kids that are leading their pack. But ev- everything is just humming for them right now, whereas we're trying to find... You mm-hmm. know, we're trying to bring everything together, whereas they seem to have... It's clicked. I'm looking forward to playing Richmond, mind you. Yeah, same. I'm looking forward to playing Carlton. Oh, are you kidding me? Are you really? No. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, is this where I'm supposed to say that we're going to lose? If Carlton... I I reckon Carlton win this week. Who do they play? Essendon. Wow, okay. Uh, no, it's not going to happen. Really? I mean, it'd be funny if it did. We can all agree on that. Melbourne to beat Collingwood. Carlton to beat Essendon. Okay, sure. Do you want to go through the whole... No, nope. no, I don't. Uh, it was a Friday night game, I'm pretty sure. No, uh, key position player, still a major need of this team. Uh, yeah, I mean... Love a centre-half forward. Yeah, I think we still need a key position defender. Oh, dogs Port Adelaide on a Friday night. That's We're a not game. doing that. We're not, not going through it. <laughs> not doing that anymore. Buddy a- has his 350th. Yeah, so? Going to be watching? Uh, maybe on Twitter afterwards. I'll just view the highlights. Yeah, he's still a favourite of yours. Yeah, he is. I think it's fantastic. He still looks pretty fit, you know. I saw that the AFL put out a an excellent graphic. Yeah, of him sitting a, a, upon a throne, mm-hmm. and the uh, the two premierships that have the. Is Hawthorne it only two? Ribbons. It's oh, only two. Goodness. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but so worth it though. So <sighs> worth it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nah, I wish him well, but I am very glad that it's just us. <laughs> Just us on those cups. Just the brown and gold. Mate, we need to wrap up. Brisbane this week, tough opponent, but you're a little bit bullish about our chances. No. Oh, so you're not? <laughs> no, no, I was just trying to lead you down that garden path. No, uh, I think Brisbane so and do. Fagan have... <laughs> Fagan doesn't have much love for us at the moment. <laughs> so I think uh, we might be taken to task again. But, um, you know, they're not that great at the MCG. But they have been doing one thing, Brisbane, and that's changing their strategy week to week to get the best out of themselves against their opponents. so Beat them in Tassie just last year. We did. I forgot about that, actually. <laughs> there it is. I'm talking you around already. Uh, Let us mull over that fact as we uh, wrap it up. It'll be great up. to get to the G, though. Oh, Looking absolutely. forward to it. This has been the Hawk Talk Podcast for another week. We'll be back, of course, to recap all the action from this weekend next week. Hopefully we have a win or two or three. We are a happy team at Hawthorne.